The human body that God created is absolutely incredible. When you study it, it's just amazing. The average human heart pumps over 1,000 gallons a day. Over 55 million gallons in a lifetime. And that's enough to fill 13 super tankers. It never sleeps. Your heart never sleeps. It beats approximately two and a half billion times in a lifetime without resting. It never gives up. The lungs. The lungs contain a thousand miles of capillaries that help exchange carbon dioxide for oxygen. It's a complicated process, but they're working all the time. Every breath you take, all these miles of capillaries are working. The DNA in your body contains your genetic code. If it's stretched out, I'm told it would circle the sun 260 times. If you wrote out the DNA information in one cell, it would take 300 volumes, each volume 500 pages thick. Your brain contains, they estimate, they don't know for sure, 100 to 500 trillion synapses. That's more powerful than any supercomputer in the world. And all these different parts of the body have been created by God, and they work together in perfect harmony. They work together in perfect unity. Now, the Bible teaches us that the human body is an illustration of the body of Christ, the church. The first verse we want to look at this morning is found in 1 Corinthians 12, 12. Now, in your bulletins, there's a white page you might want to pull out. And it has the verses written out there and the outline of the message as well. And you can follow along and take notes if you'd like. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says, The body, speaking of the human body, is a unit, although it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. So in the same way that our human bodies have many different complex parts, but they work together in unity, in the same way God's plan for the body of Christ is for each believer as a part of that body to work together with the other believers in unity, working with one another. Now as the parts of the human body work together, we can accomplish wonderful things for God. In the same way, the church can accomplish great things as each believer works together with other believers. So our message today is called Serve One Another. Serve One Another. We're going to be talking about God's wonderful plan for His body, the church, as each person grows in serving one another. Now, in our society in America today, working with others isn't always appreciated. We kind of have a concept of rugged individualism, I call it. I can do it myself, I don't need anybody else, that type of thing. Each person tends to think mainly about themselves. And so there's an aspect of self-centeredness in our society that we need to fight against. There's an aspect of self-centeredness where we care more about our own comfort, we care about our needs, our own needs more than other people's needs. And God wants us to take us beyond that to an attitude of helping others to overcome thinking only of ourselves and to begin to think about the needs of other people. Thinking about how we can serve other people, how we can help other people. Now today we're going to look at a passage of scripture in Ephesians chapter 4. And it shows how the unity, how unity in the body of Christ can lead to growth, 
of each person in the body and growth of the body as well, growth of the church as well. Now, as a church grows spiritually, it impacts every person who is part of that church body. As we serve one another, it's, it's kind of like a, a workout program for the physical body. You know, if you work out with your physical body, you lift some weights, you run, whatever you do, you get stronger. You're able to accomplish more. Your body becomes more efficient. And in the same way as we exercise in the church body by serving one another, we will grow stronger spiritually, individually. And as each of us individually grows stronger, the church as a whole grows stronger as well. And what happens if you don't have a regular exercise program? Well, you get a little weaker, you get a little slower, you get a little rounder. All those things happen. And uh, the same is true if we neglect serving one another. If we just concentrate on ourselves, we get a little weaker spiritually, we get a little slower, we look, get a little bit more concerned only with ourselves. But serving one another leads to personal and spiritual growth. Growth in the church as well. So today, we're going to ask and answer the question, how can I grow in serving others? We're going to just kind of work through the first part of Ephesians chapter 4. The first principle from that chapter is that God wants us to live a worthy life. Verse 1, Paul writes, As a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. And so if you're a believer here this morning, then you have received a calling from God. That's what the Bible says. God has called you. God has called you to be his son or daughter. If you're a believer this morning, God has called you to be his child. That's an awesome privilege. You're a child of the king. You're a child of the creator of the universe. God has called you to follow Jesus. God has called you to become more like him as you walk through life. And since God, the creator of the universe, has called us, and the Bible says he's called you by name. He knows your name. The Bible says he knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows everything about you. He's called you. And we ought to live lives that are worthy of that calling, that are worthy of the one who gives us our purpose in life. We don't live just for ourselves, but we live for Jesus and we live for others. And as we do that, we need to demonstrate Jesus' character. Verse 2 says, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Now those characteristics in this verse describe what Jesus was like. You think about Jesus, was he humble? Yes. Was he gentle? Yes. Did he care about others? Was he patient? Did he bear with other people? Did he show love? He did all of those things. And so a life lived worthy of our calling is going to have those type of character qualities. We're going to be like Jesus. Now let's look at those qualities in a little more detail. Being humble, being patient, being gentle. Bearing with one another. Now where can you demonstrate those character qualities? Can you demonstrate those character qualities if you're sitting in a room by yourself watching television? A few people are saying no. Those character qualities can only be demonstrated in relationships with other people. 
When somebody else doesn't appreciate you and you want to exalt yourself, instead of being prideful, the Bible says be humble. When somebody else irritates you and you want to retaliate or take revenge, the Bible says be gentle. When another person does something wrong to you, the Bible says be patient. Love overlooks a multitude of faults. Love, uh, the Bible says that we ought to be loving. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Demonstrating Jesus' character. And what happens when we demonstrate Jesus' character in our own lives? Well, it keeps unity in the church body. Verse 3 of Ephesians 4 says, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And when I read that, the first phrase struck me. It says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Why, why does it say make every effort? It must mean because it's not so easy. You make every effort to do something that's not so easy. If it was very easy to keep unity between a group of very diverse people, then the Bible wouldn't say make every effort. But it takes effort. It takes sacrificing our own desires to meet the needs of others to keep unity in the church body. Now there are times when somebody will not make an effort to preserve the unity in the church body. They may uh, disrupt things. They may remove themselves from the body. And that causes harm to the person. It causes harm to the body for a period of time. But God is able to bring healing. He's able to bring restoration to the body of Christ and restore it to unity. So just like in a human family, in a church family, everybody doesn't always agree with everybody. In your human family, do you always agree with your spouse? Do you always agree with your children? Sometimes there's disagreements. Sometimes somebody says something to you you don't appreciate. And how do you keep unity in your family? The Bible tells us we forgive one another. We say, I forgive you for that. The person says, I'm sorry. We say, I forgive. And if we have an issue with somebody, we go to the person. And we talk about it. And from our standpoint, we try to bring about reconciliation. That's what we do in our human families. That's what we should do in the family of God, in the church family. That's how unity is preserved. That's how we grow in Jesus' character. Now, in today's society, where there's this emphasis on self, sometimes people think only of themselves. And they do things that don't recognize the importance of the body of Christ. Today, there's a great epidemic of people moving from church to church. They'll be in a church for a while, something will happen, an unresolved issue, and they'll just go to another church. Unresolved issue, they'll go to another church. That doesn't help the church. It doesn't help the person grow to become what God wants them to be. God blesses those who live a worthy life and make effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Because together, in the church body, we can do far more than as individuals. Now let me tell you a true story about the power of unity. In September 12, 2011, there was a young man named Brandon Wright. He was 21 years old, going to the University of uh, Utah State University. 
He was driving his motorcycle down the road when suddenly a BMW pulled out in front of him. He was not able to stop and the motorcycle collided with the BMW. And after it collided, both vehicles burst into flames. The driver of the BMW was able to escape, but in the collision, Brandon had slid underneath the BMW. The motorcycle was aflame, the front of the BMW was on fire, and a crowd surrounded the burning vehicles. A woman looked underneath the BMW and saw that Brandon was still alive, but he was trapped underneath the car. One bystander came by and tried to lift the BMW, and of course, it didn't budge. The flames got higher and higher, and the crowd began to grow, and finally, one after another motioned until there was a group of about a dozen people, and they lifted up the side of the BMW, and somebody pulled Brandon out. By that time, the emergency responders had arrived. They put the fire out. They put Brandon on a, a stretcher, took him to the hospital, and he survived. He was rescued in the nick of time. In fact, if you want to do it, you can search YouTube for Brandon Wright, and somebody was there and actually took a video of not the accident, but the, the fire, the burning, and the rescue as the people lifted the car and pulled him out. It's absolutely amazing. But the point of this story is it couldn't have happened. Brandon couldn't have been rescued with just one person. One person couldn't do it. It was the power of unity when a group of people really took their own lives in their hands because who knows when that car could have exploded into flames. They sacrificed their own potential safety to go over there to lift up the vehicle and rescue him. And as they worked together as the united to serve, the task was accomplished. In the same way, God desires us as believers in the body of Christ to serve in unity and help others. The next principle we see, we're first we're supposed to live lives worthy of our calling. The next principle is we need to recognize the grace of God. Jumping down to verse 7, it says, To each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. To each one of us, and that means you, each believer in the body of Christ, if you're a believer here this morning, has been given a measure of grace. And what is grace? Grace is a, a gift from God. It's something that we don't deserve, something that God gives to us, something God gives to us to help us live the life that he's created us to live. Now, we don't deserve God's grace, but he gives it anyhow. God gives many different kinds of grace gifts. One you might not have thought of that the passage highlights is that spiritual leaders are God's gifts. Verse 11, it says, It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. So here God's word lists five different kinds of spiritual leaders that God has called to lead his church. Apostles, they plant and oversee new churches, or many churches. Prophets bring God's direction. Evangelists lead people to be saved. Pastors and teachers lead and teach in churches. And so God has put a structure in churches by calling people as spiritual leaders. And these leaders help each person in the church to be prepared for serving or for service. 
Verse 11 says, it was he who gave some to be, and then it lists all the spiritual leaders. Now, what was the purpose of those gifts being given by God? To prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. And so the pastor's job, the pastor's role, the task of the pastor is to lead and prepare God's people, believers in the church, for service. The task of the spiritual leaders is not to do all the work. It's to prepare and point people in the right direction, to equip and prepare every person. And you remember that each believer has been given grace. We talked about that already. Some people think they have no talents, no abilities. How can they help? But God says, no, every person, every believer has a grace gifting from God to be able to serve in the body of Christ. And the end result is that, is that as everyone serves in the body of Christ, the church body is built up. Now, as we grow, as we serve others, we can grow more like Jesus. We serve, verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith. There's that word unity again. And in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And so as you serve, not only is the church body built up, but you mature. You become more and more like Jesus. That's really the definition of maturity. As you serve, you also grow in your understanding of God. You grow in your understanding of Jesus Christ. And so God's grace can accomplish wonderful things as we cooperate with our leaders. As we cooperate with the Holy Spirit to serve others. So who are the spiritual leaders at, at Life Church? Well, our, spiritual, our, our leadership team is listed inside your bulletin, and uh, sometimes it, things just fade into the background, but inside your bulletin on the left is listed the leadership team. I function as the lead pastor. I oversee the leadership team, and the leadership team meets monthly. Seems like a lot of people didn't know there actually is a leadership team. Yes, it's in your bulletin, and there it is, and we do meet monthly, and we communicate uh, during the month as well. My wife, Carol, functions as the children's and women's ministry leader. Other leaders in the church are listed there. Robert uh, Tucker, Doug Schaeffler, and Calvin Holderby. And they function in a variety of leadership roles. Now, how can these spiritual leaders help you grow to become more like Jesus? Well, in different ways, spiritual leaders can help us and teach us how to apply God's word to your life. Spiritual leaders serve as an, as an example of how to live a godly life and how to serve others. Spiritual leaders have faith. They have faith to pray for you and to see God answer those prayers. Spiritual leaders have wisdom to give you counsel and important decisions or when different issues arise in your life. And I think that many people do not use the gifts of spiritual leaders in their own lives enough. But as you use spiritual leaders, as you make yourself available to them, God can use them to help you in your spiritual growth. Spiritual leaders aren't perfect. We would all admit that. But we're, spiritual leaders are God's gift to bless you and to help the church to grow as we serve one another. And as we serve one another, it brings maturity. We've already mentioned that, but it is highlighted again in Ephesians 4.14. It says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth 
by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Now, in life, it's very important for children to grow to maturity. Now, physical maturity happens kind of without too much work. You just feed a child most of the time, right? You feed a child and they grow. And you take care of them and they grow physically. But they also need to mature mentally. They also need to mature spiritually and emotionally. If you have a a 22-year-old young person who's acting on an emotional level as a 10-year-old, you have a problem. And sometimes that happens. But we need to grow spiritually as well. Spiritual growth, spiritual maturity is not automatic. Some people think, you know, I've been a Christian for 10 years. That doesn't mean you're mature spiritually. There could be a Christian for two years that's more mature than you. Because it's something that takes effort. It takes cooperating with God. It takes putting ourselves out and serving others in order to mature. This verse tells us if a person does not mature spiritually, then they are unstable. They're not stable in their ways. They go from one thing to the next. They don't know. They, as I said before, sometimes they go from one church to another. They don't know the difference between different kinds of churches. They don't know the difference between sound biblical teaching. The Bible tells us that in the last days which we live in, there's going to be a lot of teaching that's just what people want to hear. They take a poll. What do people want to hear? That's what we're going to teach. Whether it's the whole counsel of God or not. Spiritually immature people are easily deceived. Oh, that sounds good. They don't know their Bibles. They don't know how to compare what somebody says or what they read with what God's Word says. They're easily deceived. It sounds good. It must be right. If a lot of people are following it, it must be the way to go. Not necessarily true. But as you follow the spiritual leaders that God has put into your life, as you grow in serving, then you will mature spiritually. Serving leads to personal growth. Verse 15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. So a godly spiritual leader speaks the truth in love. And as, as we follow their example, we speak the truth in love. It might not be what everyone wants to hear, but we need to speak the truth. As we serve one another, as you serve one another, you will personally grow to become more like the one who is the ultimate head of the body, Jesus Christ. That's how that works. You cannot grow spiritually simply by listening to somebody else uh, talk on Sunday mornings. That's not enough. That's not a bad thing. But that's not enough. Growth only comes as we put God's Word into practice. And one of the ways we put it into practice is in serving one another. Not only does serving lead to personal growth, but serving leads to church growth. Verse 16 says, From him... The whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. As each part does its work. If you're a believer this morning, you are a part of the body of Christ. You have a work to do. And that work is to serve others in the church. 
As you do that, the whole body grows. The whole body builds itself up in love. That kind of church growth involves the whole church, the entire church, maturing spiritually. Each person becomes less concerned about themselves, what they want to do. They become more concerned about other people. They become more concerned about helping others, serving others, meeting needs. Church growth also involves God adding new people to the church. People are saved or God draws people by various ways to become part of the church body. Church growth also involves increased spiritual power. Now, how do we see that demonstrated? We see that demonstrated as the prayers that we pray become answered in greater frequency. As the prayers that we pray, we see bigger things happening. Bigger issues being resolved. God moving in greater ways. God ministering to people with greater power. And so serving leads to both personal and church growth. So how can you serve others here in the church at Life Church, in the church body here? Well, first of all, probably the easiest way, you actually encourage and serve others simply by coming to the meetings. It's an encouragement to somebody else when you're here. That includes our Sunday services and life groups. But if that's all everybody did, it just showed up on Sunday mornings and you sat in your seats, then the church couldn't exist. We also serve others. We take responsibility in supporting the church, tithes and offerings. We serve others by regularly praying for the church and the people in the church. When you have your prayer time, do you just pray about yourself or do you actually think about others in the church and the needs they have? And include those in your prayer time. You serve others by volunteering to help on Sunday mornings or during the week. Some current opportunities we have are to serve in the children's ministry. With many people serving already. If you're not serving, there's an opportunity there. There's an opportunity to be on the church cleaning team. There's actually people that come in during the week and clean the church. A team that comes in. We have opportunities there. Opportunities for Sunday morning ushers. Those are just some examples a lot of things that people do on Sunday mornings and during the week for everything to function, everything to work. Each person, I believe, that's part of this church family should find at least one area to serve in, a one area to contribute beyond simply attending. So if you want to be more involved in serving, uh, just simply check a box on the back of your Connect card and let us know that you're interested or talk to one of the people on the church leadership team and we'll get you plugged in. And so God has a wonderful plan and purpose for the body of Christ. It's incredible. And as we grow in unity, as we forgive one another in love, we live lives that are worthy of our calling. God's grace is there. He's given to each person a gift. He's given us spiritual leaders to help us move and mature in our gifting. And as we practice serving one another, serving in the church body, both the church and we ourselves will grow in every dimension. And we're going to see God accomplish wonderful things as we all grow more and more like Jesus Christ. Now is what I call action time, the most important part of the service. Now this is the time where I pray that you haven't just heard me speak, but you've heard God speak to you. 
that God has whispered something to you, you become aware that, God, yes, you're speaking to me about this area. And when God speaks to us, we need to make a commitment to take action. It's not enough just to hear the word. The word must be put into action. And so this morning, the basic question is, how am I going to grow in serving others? What area do you want me to grow in? And I'd encourage you on the back of your bulletin is just a space. It's just for you to write down what action you're going to take this week. And so <clears throat> perhaps you're here this morning and you're not sure if you're a believer. Well, for you, the action you need to take is to make sure that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Make sure you're part of the body of Christ. To do that, you need to admit that you've sinned. You need to believe Jesus died on the cross to forgive your sins. Commit your life to following him. So let's bow our heads right now. I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray this prayer with me. If you're not sure you're a believer this morning, if you're not sure if you passed on this afternoon that you would go to heaven, then God wants you to pray, to submit your life to him. I'm going to pray a simple prayer, and I encourage you to pray along with me in your own mind. And if you really mean what you're saying, then something eternal will happen in your life. Say, Father, today I admit I've, I've done wrong things. I've sinned. I have only been thinking about myself. I haven't been thinking about serving others. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus came to this earth, died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven. Come into my life. Please forgive me. I commit myself to following you, to obeying you, to growing in maturity. Thank you for coming into my life. In Jesus' name. And for those of us who are already believers, let's pray that God would help us to grow as his word teaches this morning. Father, we thank you that you've placed us as believers into your body, the body of Christ here at Life Church. Help us to grow in unity as we seek to follow you, as we seek to live lives worthy of our calling. Thank you for the spiritual leaders that you've placed in the church, God. Leaders to prepare us to serve one another. Show each person here, God, I pray that how they could serve you in this church and be effective in the grace that you've given them. Thank you, God, that as we serve, As we learn how to work with people very different than us, as we learn to forgive, as we learn to be patient, as we learn to be humble and gentle, that we are going to mature spiritually. As we work through different issues, God, we are going to grow stronger. And the church is going to grow stronger and it's going to be built up in love. We thank you, God, for what you're doing, how you're helping us to grow more and more like Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.